Section One of the Rose-Colored World and Other Fantasies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Rose-Colored World and Other Fantasies by Ethel Mary Brody. Section One. Don Waring stretched his long limbs yawned generously and opened his eyes opened his eyes indeed and stared amazedly at the sky through the trees stared stared as he had never done before in his life for don's eyes were usually only half open he stared without blinking till his eyes felt sore stared with an astonishment which rarely disturbs such easy-going, indolent mortals as Mr. Don Waring. Something surely most unusual had happened. And well he might stare, for above him, among the leaves and branches, glared the rosiest sky he had ever seen. Rose, rose like the crushed leaves of the reddest roses. Rose to the north, rose to the east, rose to the south rose to the west a flaming radiant brilliant rose spread everywhere to the horizon intoxicating rose not alone at the sky did don stare but at the trees the grass the meadows beyond the woods the trees shimmered all colors of the rose as the sunlight fell upon them flashing in the breeze like rubies from the palest to the darkest pinks the tall grasses bent in a wave of pink like a coral sea the roseate meadows beyond died away in the violet mist of the hills alone the flowers had kept their natural hues the snowy white margaret the wise golden buttercup the passionate poppy the gentle violet the lily with its grave pure heart of white every flower maiden so natural and as beautiful beneath the roseate sky as it had been when its leaves opened wide under heaven's blue the woodland the fields the hedges all nature was shaded in a thousand hues of rose and this was varied by an occasional white willow perfect white weeping into a rivulet which bubbled along the lazy way don waring rubbed his eyes vigorously then he pinched himself soundly well he was certainly alive and awake by jove he muttered solemnly if this is the end of the world i'm for the goats my sins are many and here's one cod and don glanced at his watch four o'clock i promised therese i would meet her at oakwood corner on high street at half-past two jove what a time to be asleep this must be eternity rose 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 everywhere very odd and he rubbed his eyes again and repinched himself then he got slowly to his feet and shook himself like a big saint bernard don't understand this new aspect of things he murmured again looking around at the pink trees and grass something is wrong with my point of view i suppose 
I see this world pink. Perchance somebody else sees it green. Now I wonder which of us sees it right. It is enough for me to have Therese flare up and scold without this flaming world. I suppose there's been a volcanic eruption while I slept. The sky still reflects it. And he walked off through the roseate woodland, stepping across the rivulet whose waters rippled in ribbons of pink, and so on to the high street and Therese. As he walked on, he observed that the houses had all changed since noonday when he fell asleep. More fantastic houses he had never seen. Quaint indeed. Pretty. Odd. Everything that was dainty and, well, essentially feminine, in design and decoration, greeted his eyes along the streets. But with all their daintiness, the windows were bare of curtains and anything suggestive of a woman's touch. The gardens were orderly and joyously luxuriant with flowers. The verandas were spacious and clean, but lacking in the feminine coziness of cushion, rocker, and hammock. Something of homeness was lacking about every mansion and cottage. Don stared much, but as staring did not alter facts, he simply sighed and walked on, thinking fondly of Therese. His thoughts were not allowed to run on peacefully. To his utter amazement, as he entered the high street, a bevy of pretty girls was standing around the door of the Horseshoe Inn, not only standing, but smoking. Smoking cigarettes, cigars, and and old cruel fact pipes they laughed aloud as they joked with one another so unseemly don had ever been a devotee of the eternal feminine but for the first time in his life his nerve all but forsook him every one of those pretty girls turned and stared nonchalantly at him as if he were something very superior or was it inferior he was afraid to decide. He felt conscious of his tie being awry. Then he wondered if his boots had their usual shine, and he glanced stealthily down to see. He blessed his last tailor, lest his coat sagged ungracefully. Indeed, he felt thoroughly and uncomfortably conscious that something was amiss with himself or his clothes, and his sensations were not pleasant a couple of dozen eyes scrutinizing him boldly as he approached not only that but the unwantedness of girls standing around the inn door was disturbing not to say annoying as for their smoking well he was no moralist so it mattered little at least as therese was not among the girls he did not care if therese had been there smoke well there it was sacrilegious to even permit the thought Therese was the belle of the town. She was a brown-eyed girl with cheeks like twin cherries, a mass of chestnut curls which defied all conventional combing, and a spirit like an angel. Alas, and not unlike a devil at times, thought Don. But Therese, smoking, never. Therese was a womanly woman, and had her own ideals. Fine ones, even if they were provincial. Perchance all the finer for being born and developed in the purer air of the town, so near the field flowers, the still softness of the woodlands, the peaceful 
eternal hills. Therese would never smoke, no matter what other girls did. Don raised his hat nervously as he passed the inn. The bevy nodded carelessly, some of its members not even removing their pipes. After he had passed, dead silence fell on the girls, and that added to Don's discomfiture. But what had happened to this strange world, or rather what had happened to Don? Usually he stopped and joked with his girlfriends, but something extraordinary had befallen his nerves. He was tongue-tied. As Don was naturally a sociable, talkative man, this was most extraordinary. Don observed a number of strange things as he wandered on. Every cart, wagon, and other vehicle which clattered past on the cobblestone road was driven by a woman. In every shop only girls served. And, horror of horrors, even the barber shop was run by a woman. Indeed, the affairs of the world seemed to be in the hands of the women, and to Don they appeared to be upside down. However, Therese was all right. Whatever the world might do, Therese would always be the same sweet, lovable girl, unspoiled by any volcanic metamorphosis in social customs, or in nature, or the sky. Dear Therese. Don strode along the high street, dreaming and confident. At Oakwood Corner was a grove of trees surrounded by a high fence. The townspeople were pleased to call it a park. There at Oakwood Corner, Don stopped, stopped with a violent palpitation of astonishment. Boldly sitting on the fence with her arms crossed, nonchalantly smoking a huge cigar, was Therese. Don decided to retire unobtrusively shrank from embarrassing her. But on further consideration he changed his mind. He would find out the meaning of all these queer phenomena. Therese would know, of course. Apparently she felt no shame at being seen in public smoking. Very improper. Therese had not observed him. Her attitude was one of careless ease, and she was half whistling a popular air from a recent comic opera between luxurious puffs of smoke. Certainly she appeared to be enjoying her folly, for she threw back her head and blew spirals of smoke into the air and then laughed as the wind carried them away. As Don approached her, he again felt that odd embarrassment, that cruel consciousness of his tie, his boots, his coat. Where had his nerve fled? "'Good afternoon, Therese.' He ventured nervously. Therese swung around on the fence easily and faced him, calmly removing her cigar. "'Hello, Don,' she exclaimed cheerfully. "'How do you do?' he returned, flushing slightly and inwardly annoyed. "'I suppose I shall have to throw this away,' she observed coolly, even reluctantly, laying her huge cigar on a post. Don laughed somewhat hysterically. "'Suppose? Well, I should think so,' said he. "'Why?' asked Therese, daintily wiping some ashes off her muslin sleeve with a tiny handkerchief and not paying much attention seriously to his remark. "'Oh, of course it's all right. In fact, it's no matter, certainly.' Don's meaning was somewhat involved. 
he felt he was on the edge of deep water and scrambled out sorry i'm late he added hurriedly that's nothing remarked the little woman carelessly just your usual putting on a new tie i presume it looks very nice i fell asleep under the trees he began apologetically never mind dear came her quick and rather surprising rejoinder we women always have to wait for you men you are a vain lot forever prinking well that's better than smoking rejoined don with spirit therese opened her eyes in amazement smoking why what's wrong with that wrong why everything is wrong with that don's courage forsook him with therese's big brown eyes so sternly fixed upon him he stopped abruptly you never objected before she said slowly and that is a poor explanation how is a woman to spend her time when she has nothing to do if she does not smoke don was shocked was therese mad you never smoked before he said quietly never smoked before why i have been smoking straight along ever since you knew me you're dreaming and she laughed wake up don come out from under the trees therese that's not true if you have smoked you never let me know the girl climbed down off the fence in a very boyish fashion and faced him boldly don waring you accuse me of telling a falsehood if you don't choose to remember or believe our friendship had better end don's heart began to beat uncomfortably i simply tell the truth as i know it said he you never smoked before to my knowledge then your memory is still asleep under the trees remarked therese i guess it is smiled don equivocally anyway why shouldn't i smoke demanded therese every woman smokes women have been smoking ever since this age began why shouldn't they don wondered what age as he answered firmly it is a man's privilege and pleasure a man's cried therese astonished why there isn't a man in town who smokes or if he does he smokes in secret where women cannot pry no gentleman ever smokes don burst out laughing and then stopped in the midst thereof as he remembered the horseshoe inn and the bevy of girls what did all these things mean i expect we had better change the subject broke in therese tea may be a pleasanter topic than smoking it is late now come along to the brass tea-kettle and have afternoon tea and herewith don received another shock therese had never suggested afternoon tea before or any other paid-for pleasure for that matter it struck don as rather original bold in fact not that he objected but it was not what a man looked for in the woman he adored however as therese wished it so it must be and they started down the high street therese in the gayest of spirits and don involved don's distress did not decrease with this change of events for every girl who met them smiled knowingly at the little woman by his side and nodded in like fashion this was growing unbearable how rude those girls are he exclaimed sententiously not at all replied therese i feel flattered flattered at what inquired her companion 
walking with so handsome a man you look your best today don the man gave up being surprised at therese she had never made a remark like that before however possibly the rose-pink sky had something to do with it certainly the sky had not changed since he had wakened under the roseate trees as for therese don's thoughts became wrapped in gloom and mystery as they entered the brass tea kettle don observed that there were present a greater number of men than girls the reverse of the usual in every corner of the room men sipped tea at the little round tables men exquisitely groomed with the flashiest of ties and the daintiest of boutonnieres men strangely effeminate and the few girls who were present ogled the men in a very forward fashion while the latter seemed to be rather shy and inclined to the nervous snigger therese met with the pleasant nods on every side as for don the female world expressed open admiration and don with the courage of a daniel among lions nerved himself to the occasion therese ordered the tea therese jollied the men waiting for men served in the brass tea kettle for the first time therese tipped the waiter therese paid the bill and don don secretly solemnly pinched himself under the table to see if he were alive don was overwhelmed therese this is too much of a good thing he protested holding out his hand for the bill this is my affair came the quick rejoinder nonsense snapped don with annoyance therese laughed softly so long as the world good taste and chivalry rule women must play their part in womanly fashion we serve you men who ever heard of a gentleman paying for a woman fancy don what my friends would think of me if you bought seats for me at the theatre and paid for the supper afterward well that is the way it ought to be exclaimed her companion indignantly rubbish we women do the work we are paid for it why shouldn't we treat you men to what pleasures we can afford our life is so free and you are so hampered with social duties calling etc it is the least we can do to brighten your lives and therese picked up her dainty cane as they left the tea-room what next cried don half angry half amused woman's rights woman's suffrage woman's and then he exploded with laughter you are utterly incomprehensible to-day and therese snapped the head off of a dandelion with her cane why do you laugh no manly man would hesitate to let a woman pay his way in the world tis a woman's right tis only chivalrous to take a woman's money and spend it as he pleases i don't understand you small wonder laughed don i'm just thinking of how funny it would be if women clothed and fed their husbands and children fancy the woman buying everything while her husband spent his money as he liked imagine her paying doctor's bills gas bills and water rates and generally being the drudge and banker of the family well you laugh at what actually exists every woman in this town with few exceptions is doing that why shouldn't she tis the way of the world then the world has changed for the worse returned don firmly simply your point of view don 
may have been otherwise at one time but who knows which is the right way don't please pleaded don i can't stand any more woman's rights therese just gave him a mystifying smile they walked on in silence for some time it was a sweet sunny day just a day for a long automobile ride the wind rustled the treetops and skipped over the lawns then ran away and hid among the flowers out it came again and puffed into the faces of the wayfarers tempting them to laughter and to talk with the exhilaration of the day don was on the verge of suggesting a drive when suddenly a remarkable airship of very handsome appearance swung around the corner of the street and it settled down beside them here's our car cried therese gaily ours gasped don gazing at the fine comfortable airship in astonishment with its gay brass fittings and luxurious cushions yes i ordered it jump in dear and let us away to the pink fields and wild flowers i am longing for a whirl through the country air don stepped in without more ado he had never been in an airship before in fact he had never seen one except in pictures so far only experts and inventors sailed in them don felt very nervous on therese's account but the latter jumped in as if she had never travelled in anything else and an airship was an easy to run as a baby carriage and to don's horror she dismissed the aviator a woman my treat begged don feebly nonsense smiled therese as she waved her hand to the aviator and started the ship sailing upward over the roofs of the houses and into the roseate country you are only a man she said presently well and why not asked don holding his breath as they flew over a lake oh i'm satisfied remarked therese just steering past the boughs of a huge oak tree thank you said don mildly aren't these airships a great improvement on the old autocars everyone is trying to sell the old things now and purchase an airship remarked therese some awful accidents happen oh it's wonderful great exclaimed don enthusiastically and then as they suddenly whirled across an inlet of the sea where the surf was pounding among the rocks in a wild hungry roar and he beheld another aircraft rapidly sailing from an opposite direction he asked with an inward quake yes i should imagine some accidents might happen i'm glad you like it rejoined therese calmly waving her handkerchief as they shot close past the other airship there go the spencer Leightons. haven't they got a swell airship go sixty miles an hour sometimes eighty gee exclaimed don aghast he knew better now than to remark at any strange thing or happening and hid his secret shutters as the airship darted over treetops and windmills regulation speed is forty miles an hour but people haven't changed since the old days with the autocar and lots of them rush through the air at a terrific speed it's not fair to the grocer ships and the butcher ships and thus the accidents it keeps the airship policemen busy you see there is so much commerce and traffic in the air now they are starting an airship express company as the trains do not go fast enough you know the airship streetcar system in london is paying enormous dividends and in new york people won't travel in anything else and therese increased their speed till the air whistled and sang around them 
we shall have a cosy time together dear said she after a while don smothered an exclamation at this audacity and simply said oh of course away into the country flew the airship and what a wonderful world of pinks and reds it was woodlands meadows streams lakes all blending in rare and beautiful shades of sunset hues wonderful exclaimed don as he gazed over the roseate landscape one would think you had never seen the country before said therese as they darted across an island-dotted lakelet and struck over the tops of a dense wood neither i have in these shades he answered carefully what shades demanded therese pinks and reds and crimsons therese laughed it has always been pink and red and crimson love and a woman make it so murmured don after which to his surprise therese pressed his hand which don reciprocated with fervor and the woods grew redder than ever the fields were massed with daisies and buttercups a sea of coral set with topaz and pearl streams of water twinkled in the sunshine bubbling over pebbles in a thousand shades of ruby branches of trees met in a maze of rosy leafage glancing in light or shade as the sun fell upon them crimson hedges railed the fields into a velvet checkerboard hills rolled away to the horizon in a roseate glow dying in an opalescent wave of light gold and garnet groves of trees robed as if in autumnal dress wreathed their various shades like jewelled coronals or splashed the hillside like heart's blood here and there a wayside pond or creek reflected the glory of coral ruby and garnet weaving endless lacework of leaf and reed and bough twas a wondrous rosy world out in the fields girls worked in the warm sunlight some were ploughing some cutting the long grasses with a scythe some piling new-mown hay rusty pink hay some tended the orchard trees girls 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 don almost forgot his cherry-cheeked therese in his admiration of the numerous pretty girls in the fields we shall descend here said therese presently as the airship began to settle down gracefully into a flowered meadow beside a tiny lake as they touched ground she leapt out with boyish agility and now for a run in the meadows but first my pipe you don't mind my smoking don frowned aggressively not that therese and why came her cool query for the same reason i gave before women should not smoke it is masculine unwomanly ungraceful returned don sententiously you are not the first man who protested but so long as you do not smoke i don't care and therese lit her pipe and puffed easily and contentedly to don's horror i won't budge if you don't stop that and he leaned against the tree and looked sternly at the little woman everywhere i see girls working smoking and not a man to be seen nevertheless i object to your smoking on every ground if you continue blowing at that horrid pipe i'll blow too therese laughed gaily no sir you won't do that what would the people say 
Oh, hang the people. Don, reprovingly. Well? Then Therese settled herself on the stump of an oak tree, as if to read him a lecture, and said gravely, Men should look handsome, and dress well, and please the eye of a woman. That's enough. Don't spoil it by smoking. We women admire your handsome figures, your fine faces, the set of your tie, the tilt of your hat, the hang of your coat. Come, dear boy, don't spoil what nature meant to be so attractive to women by smoking. It is not manly. Don removed his hat, ran his fingers through his hair, and sighed desperately. Therese, what does all this mean? And he waved his hands towards the rosy fields. The reign of woman, answered she calmly. Not the golden age, suggested Don mischievously. No, the roseate age, woman's age, exclaimed Therese joyously. The world runs on oiled wheels. The sky is full of hope. The woods are rich in hope. The sea overflows with hope, warm, glowing hope, wonderful hope. And for what? meekly asked Don, half smiling. For the reason that it exists, returned Therese in a patronizing tone, glancing with pity at her companion for his lack of knowledge. Men got worn out, mentally and physically, piling fortunes, working all day and all night to pay milliners, modestes, masseuses, and nerve sanitariums. They degenerated to pygmies in will intellect physique there are only a few men real men left that is why all the girls are after you me exclaimed don losing his breath why yes proposal don't you know only you are engaged said therese lightly to whom pray begged don with a moses-like calm to me came her savoir faire reply Hope you don't object to this line of tobacco. Best I could get. Oh, no, murmured Don, bewildered, comprehending at last why so few men were about the world and also Therese's cool possession of himself. You know that I proposed to you, Don. Did you? laughed he, hysterically. Of course, from Therese, somewhat indignantly. And when? he continued in ecstasy. Now don't be saucy, boy, and Therese shook her finger at him. Saucy? By Jove, I was longing to tell you how I loved you ages ago, and to propose, but feared you are not a modest man, interrupted Therese. It is a woman's place to make love, to propose, and other such things. Whereupon Don tried to slip his arm around her waist. Don't forget yourself reproved therese sternly don glanced lovingly at the trim little woman tripping along beside him in her sweet white muslin gown and hat of marguerites so men are done for city men too he inquired to change the subject which had grown somewhat complicated oh they are awful so affected so luxurious all nerves culture and emotions you or such a dear, simple, country fellow, so true, so natural. That is why I love you. City men are unnatural, like forced fruit, hothouse creatures. 
none for me please and therese flicked some ashes off her muslin dress and tossed her head knowingly and the women ventured don bent on gaining what knowledge he could of this new world oh the women are piling up the money and making the laws and playing toss and catch with the stock market women are steering the airships hunting the gold mines inventing same as the men did interrupted he half sarcastically yes enthusiastically and the end inquired don quizzically roseate glory eternal happiness exclaimed the enthusiast her brown eyes sparkling with delight and if the women and the men continue thus and don could have kissed the little face upturned so hopefully to him we are living in eternity now smiled therese confidently and the women will not degenerate as the men asked don humbly how could they demanded she haughtily a woman's reason sighed don and why shouldn't they i would like to know because and therese stopped short and then therese threw her arms around his neck and the man responded with great heartiness forgetting the cigar remembering only the woman's lips her lips so red and sweet red as the rose-colored world if this is to live in the woman's world may it continue for ever he cried ardently holding her tenderly in his arms and then don awoke how dare you broke suddenly on his ears you horrid man and we are not even engaged and someone struggled out of his arms dear me laughed on opening his eyes wide i thought we were engaged and then as he glanced amazedly at the green leaves overhead and at therese's blushing face of discomfiture he added i was going to hint about it to-day but as you proposed i didn't do anything of the kind indignantly protested therese you're half asleep asleep don stretched out his arms toward her therese retired yes you have been sleeping here under the trees and you came to find me said he advancing toward her no i didn't therese turned her head away very dignified then i have been asleep in a rose-colored world but small wonder with you so near it was love that colored my dream what dream from inquisitive therese my dream of the reign of woman in the rose-colored world don returned adding deliberately and about the day therese but therese fled away among the trees end of section one